Welcome to the AIM Horsemanship Podcast. This podcast is all about horses, from positive reinforcement, working through training issues, to just having fun and working on connection. I'm always learning, so I hope you enjoy coming along for this horsemanship journey with me. Thank you for tuning in to the first ever episode of this podcast. So today I thought we'd just go over a bit of history and my horsemanship and horse journey so far and how I got to where I am today, um, what I'm doing at the moment with my horses and what I might be doing in future. I also want to talk about everything I've learned and my current beliefs compared to what I used to believe about horses and everything like that. So I hope you enjoy. The first time I ever actually rode a pony, I was like two or three years old. And since I didn't grow up in a horsey family or anything, um, I didn't end up riding or spending much time with horses again until I was about six years old. And me and my brother asked for riding lessons at the local farm. If I remember correctly, me and my brother were just learning to trot off lead rein um, when we had to move to a different riding stable because our instructor was pregnant. And... um, At that time, my brother decided to stop riding and decided that it wasn't for him. And so I carried on to this new riding stable where I went for a few years until I started to become old enough to become a helper. And I used to help out on Saturdays for free lessons. And then eventually, after years and years of um, proving to my parents that I was committed, they decided it wasn't just a phase. And I was finally old enough to get my own pony. My first ever pony was called Molly. She was a lovely 14-year-old, 14 hands high, gypsy vanacob. She was piebald with a long mane and beautiful blue eyes. So at the time that we got Molly, she was not doing much in the way of schooling and jumping and competing or anything like that. She was just kind of a happy hacker who was a bit unfit at the time. And it wasn't long before we started to get on well together and started to go to some jumping competitions together and at the time we started to get into what I thought at the time was natural horsemanship but natural horsemanship covers a broad umbrella of training methods some which I do agree with and can be done ethically some I really kind of disagree with now not that it's wrong as such but personally I just I don't be, I don't I wouldn't want to use them basically and I believe they're better way to do to better ways to do things um but yeah so we started to get into natural horsemanship um and now looking back I realized the methods I was using were very escalating pressure and release based which means if if she didn't do what I was wanting her to do I would basically escalate pressure it doesn't have to be physical pressure um and then I would remove the pressure as soon as she did whatever it was I was looking for whether that be coming towards me or lunging in a circle around me going over a jump and we definitely had a lot of fun together with it eventually though I drifted more towards methods of so-called natural horsemanship which I'm just going to call horsemanship because natural horsemanship can get a bit confusing when you don't know kind of which kind I'm talking about um so I started to get into more gentle and subtle forms of um, horsemanship because I knew that dominance theory had been disproven and 
I started to watch a lot of Warwick Schiller's videos and the principles of training. I would use methods such as matching steps and just changes in eye contact and lots of time hanging out together, just breathing in sync. And um, I definitely started to be more gentle and definitely noticed a change in Molly that she was way more responsive and way more eager to participate when she wasn't stressed about pressure being escalated on her. Not that it was bad, not that I was doing it in a bad way or anything, it's just she much preferred this, understandably. Um, so we started to really make a lot of progress using these methods and really bond. And we were going out to lots of competitions currently at the time. And then sadly, um, near the start of 2020, Molly went lame and due to some uh, bad complications, uh, we ended up having to say goodbye to her and she had to be put to sleep, which was absolutely so sad. Um, so yeah, and then I only had Izzy, who's our little rescue pony for a little while, and uh, who I backed at the time and I was just not ready, at, like straight away, obviously. Um, to be moving on um but we didn't want to keep Izzy on her own so it was only a little while um until we started considering um other rescue horses from the same sanctuary that Izzy was from and yeah at the time we weren't exactly sure what to do straight away because I was still super super sad about Molly obviously and at the same time we didn't want Izzy it wasn't fair for Izzy to be on her own um so eventually um, we found this lovely mare called Penny, who was four-year-old, pretty much untouched, straight out of the field, other than having a bit of training for four weeks before we first went to see her, which she had caught on to extremely quickly. Um, but obviously it was traditional training, so now I use more positive reinforcement and reward and choice-based training. So we have restarted pretty much from scratch with that. But um, yeah, when I first went to see her, she had had about four weeks or so of handling prior to being pretty much untouched for a while I believe so anyway um out in a field she did have scars on her face which I'm not sure if that's from a head collar growing into her face at some point and she did have uh, was recovering from rain scold on her back but um the owner who had her at the time that we got her was really lovely and had her coming along really nicely so after we had gone to see um this little four-year-old mare who was about four, between 14 to and 15 hands at the time. Um, we had been to see her about four, four, three, four or five times, I'm not sure, somewhere around there. Um, we decide, well, I decided that she was definitely the one for us and we ended up having her on a week's trial. Uh, she came and met Izzy and they got on really, really well. Um, although Penny does like a bit of personal space, she likes to have Izzy around. Um, but she's not a big huggy kind of horse. She's not very affectionate with Izzy. She just likes to have her presence, but she doesn't like to be too close to her. But even so, they got on really well. And um, then start, I started doing a bit with Penny because the first day that she came, she was obviously, she was very shy anyway. And so the first day that she was on trial, she was terrified to let me anywhere near her. So we spent the whole day and the day after that um, doing some uh, exercises out in the field which involved a lot of approach and retreat and just um, you know like the most basic things like just looking and then when she would look look away and 
it was a lot until she eventually um, decided to connect and started to follow and then when I first started touching her that day um, I had to like not touch her because if I kept my hand or kept too close to her for too long it was a lot of pressure for her and she did this big kind of snort and stomped her foot and went off um, and eventually um, like with a lot of keeping her below threshold and um, really bonding we managed to um, really build her confidence and started to be able to lead her around and obviously she had like been there and like had come along at her old home but um, obviously we're kind of restarting a bit here because she was very shy and I wanted to um, start make sure there was no shyness or tension in there right from the beginning um, which was why we started with such basic things which was really really worth it in the end and um, we started to really get on well and during that week's trial um, well the first hack we did together well walk slash hack um, we came we were out with my dad who was leading Izzy as well and we came across some cows and I soon realised that Penny was very forwards going and did not quite know how to stop and stand still and the only way she knew really how to relieve tension at the time was to just stick her head up really high and march forwards and if you tried to restrain her obviously she was lovely like really sweet natured um but it was just her baby personality and she did not like to stand still and would um sometimes do little kind of half rears and try to she would be very stressed basically um which i didn't want i wanted her to be calm and happy and really enjoying our time together so um we worked on just the most basic things like bending to relaxation and at the time this was before I started using positive reinforcement so it was just the most basic gentle subtle forms of negative reinforcement that I could use um, and try to do it really thoroughly um, you may have seen in some of Warwick Schiller's videos where he bends to a what's he call it bend to a stop or something um, and gets rid of all the tension that way which did work well for her, but uh, we've ended up having a lot more fun using other methods, which I'll tell you about um, soon. So um, the next thing was, once she started to come out of her shell and realised that she had a voice and if she had a problem, she could tell me about it. I'm not sure if this was due to the long journey down to where we are compared to her, her old home um, or what, but she did not want to load and um when she eventually did load um after a lot of time um working on the basics like backing up uh, making the trailer a really nice place with lots of release and um all that um the first time that she was put in there was an instant where she managed to get under the looking back I probably should have um worked on this a lot more but that's just um in hindsight but at the time, you only know what you know, and we're all just doing the best we can with the knowledge we have at the time. And when we know better, we can do better. So, yeah, at the time, I probably shut her in a bit too soon. And she ended up um, getting really claustrophobic and panicking and managing to um, escape, like get out and uh, basically crash through the uh, bumbar, which was not ideal and really dangerous. And like, I was worried for her and I wanted her to really enjoy being in the trailer. I didn't want it to be a negative experience for her at all. Um, and that night when I was searching for what to do, because I realized the negative reinforcement I was using, I 
just wanted a bit I wanted to look for something else I wanted to learn I wanted to improve and I ended up finding um an Instagram account of um, a trainer who I really admired in my area who was offering free uh, training lessons and we arranged a session she came out and taught me how to train with positive reinforcement um, which I had been interested in but I didn't I didn't know how to implement it and I didn't have the skills I needed to implement it without help and at the time I was quite fixated on what I was doing with my negative reinforcement and what I considered natural horsemanship um, so within that session we had our bridge signal set which was a sound um we had penny keeping her head out of my space and we ended up uh, creating a positive association with the ramp um and so that week in between that session and the next session that that um trainer came out um i really dove deep into learning about science about positive reinforcement negative reinforcement positive punishment negative punishment which is the four quadrants which I may discuss in a future episode if anyone's interested and I learned about classical conditioning and operant conditioning and um, all the science that I could. Um, I started listening to podcasts um, from different trainers who use similar methods and I really started to like realise that this was what me and Penny needed. Um, so I dove in headfirst to learning all about that and the next session that that trainer came, um, Penny was, we had been working on it a lot. She was happily walking into the trailer and standing there whilst I walk um, to the back and outside and all that. Um, so um, we started to work on the bum bar again. Um, but sadly, it wasn't long before um, the field got too wet for us to keep the trailer in there. So we had to take that away. And I ended up... Um, spending most of my training time working on uh, ridden work and liberty and well I say liberty really liberty to me is where the horse truly has a choice it's not doesn't just mean they have the lead off it means there's no negative consequences for um, them choosing to leave so when I'm working at um, liberty that to me is having free food on access for them if they want to go to that and having no negative consequences if they do um, and they usually choose to stay with me anyway because of something called contra freeloading um, which I may also discuss in a future episode. But um, yeah, so we started to work on tactless riding. I worked on um, our steering cues and our um, like stopping cue and all that. Um, so we could ride tactless and it was lots of fun. And, um, and at the time I also started our positive or plus R training Izzy, um, who, well, for the first year that we had Izzy, she was too terrified to even eat near a human. Um, so after the first year, um, it got to the stage where I didn't have to be at a distance for her even when she was eating. So that was the time to start plus R training her, which went really well. And I also fixed her fear of fly masks um, over a period of time using this. So I also have a video on YouTube about that. If you search up AIM or AIM horsemanship, um, solving a horse's head shyness and fear of fly masks or something like that. It will come up and you can watch the whole video on that and um, it explains how I taught her to get over her fear of that, um, which went really well. And um, the next thing we started working on with Penny was um, just casual connection time because she did not like standing still and she was an overachiever like lots of young horses are when starting out with this training. Um, she was very, 
she very much enjoyed moving and she got easily over aroused which I soon realised we had an over arousal issue um, when it was I'm not sure if it was just overwhelmed with emotions or something at this point or lack of clarity she really likes a lot of clarity but at the same time she doesn't like to get bored which is a hard mix um, which I've been discussing with Hannah and Rachel from Connection Training um, and they've been really helpful on that and we've been working on a lot with that um, but the time I really we really had an issue was one time when she did this massive rear um, and didn't come down for ages and she was just up straight vertical kicking her legs around and uh, I don't know how I managed to stay on but by the time she came down my dad had walked all the way from the stable to where we were um, so we started working a lot on casual connection time um, and I started to put some clarity in so she knew it was only formal training when she did have her neck rope on um, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that now because I do want to use the neck rope outside of formal training and operant conditioning but we'll, that's something we'll figure out along the way and so yeah um, so after that big incident well not really incident it was it was just, I say things aren't getting worse, they're just becoming more apparent. Um, and so that became very apparent that I had to work on that. And um, so we were at a stage where she could really just connect in the field and we could um, also have formal training sessions. But um, at this time, the field was finally dry enough to have the trailer back in, which meant um, I was any plus R work was mainly focused on the trailer. And our other training sessions were focused on um, walking out because she got very excited walking out um, and sometimes refused to come home. So that's what we're working on at the moment and it's going very well. Um, we're also working on her foraging cue. So that means I can actually call her away from grass and food when she's eating and she will come over and not, um, stay with me and not eat the grass until I give the cue, which is a sk sound at the moment. So maybe in a future episode, I'll explain how I taught that. So sorry, I've just listened back to the clips so far and I've just realised I should probably explain who Izzy is and a bit about her before I go any further. Um, so when we had Molly and she was kept with one of our friend's horses, our friend moved her horse away. So we didn't want Molly on her own. So um, we ended up fostering this little rescue pony called Izzy. Now Izzy is about 12.1 or 12.2 hands. Um, she is a Dartmoor pony not that, sorry, um, Bodmin Hill Pony. She's blanket spotted, um, blue roan, and she is around eight years old now. I think she was around six when we got her. Um, but she spent the first few years of her life um, living wild on um, Bodmin Moor. And when she was, uh, we forced her from Merrinfell Sanctuary. And when she was um, brought in, apparently she was one of the, sh like probably the shyest out of the herd. And they didn't think she'd ever get to the stage she is at now. Um, which is amazing to think, um, but she was just terrified. She easily shut down. Um, her eyes were always, she always had the whites of her eyes showing. Yeah, her eyes were always just like bulging out of their sockets. Her nostrils were always flaring. Her muscles were always tense. She wouldn't even eat near people at the time. Um, so she has taught me so, so much about fear in horses and creating relaxation and... Um, about just having to be so, so careful with even the slightest movement because, yeah, it took a few days for her to even want to come up to me, like, voluntarily. 
And like I say, because she wasn't in the rest and digest nervous system, we'll go into like the different nervous systems and the science behind this in future episodes possibly. Um, but because she wasn't in the rest and digest state, I guess, and also because her mouth was so clamped shut where she hid tension in her lips, uh, she just wouldn't eat near um, people. And I'm not sure if this is, this might actually be related now that I think about it, but the first time that she did kind of eat near someone, um, she got choked very badly because she was so tense and she was just stuffing it down. Um, so yeah, she's been a very special pony. Um, I've had her about two years now. Um, in that time, I have backed her and my brothers have had a little bit of fun um, playing around riding her. And also, um, we've done a lot of liberty work. We, we do a lot of playing, a lot of games. Um, we go out on off-lead walk. I mean, um, yeah, we go out on walks, liberty walks. And um, we also have like worked on a lot of her fears. Um, with her head shyness and her really strong fear of having her ears or face or eyes touched, um, obviously she had this huge fear of having a fly mask put on. So I did mention this before about the video you can watch. Um, but I learned a lot about choice-based training and uh, how important it is to do counter-conditioning and systematic positive exposure training and moving in such small approximations um, and then putting all the different cues together. Until eventually we had this end behaviour of her, um, of when I hold the fly mask out, which is the cue for her to target her head, her forehead to the fly mask and hook her ears into the ear holes. And then she stands there while I do up the Velcro. And the Velcro noise was also a big one for her. Um, so I learned about um, how horsemanship, I believe good horsemanship, um, should be kind of like the tide coming in when you think about a beach, moving in such small approximations and such small steps that you don't notice that anything's changed when the sea comes in until you realise that the whole beach looks different. So it's kind of the same um, with horses. So I do such small steps until it seems nothing's really changing but because um, we're working below threshold, which means the horse is really calm and accepting and fully engaged with it until eventually I put all the cues together when the horse is ready and suddenly it's like a completely different horse um, and they understand. It's like when a tide comes in and the beach is completely different, um, which I'll definitely discuss the actual training process of that in future. Um, obviously, I'm still learning and all. Um, but yeah, that's who Izzy is. Um, so I just thought I'd explain a bit about that before we went any further. At the moment, Izzy, we do a lot of um, liberty work together. You may see that on my Instagram, which is Aim Horsemanship, and YouTube as well, a lot of videos of Izzy. She doesn't like to canter at liberty, which is something we're working on. I'm not I'm not sure what's going on with that, but um, she will canter when she's playing with Penny, and she will do liberty play with me as well. Um, she has lots of cues. She has a forehead targeting cue. Um, she's been backed, obviously. I've backed her. Uh, she also has a backup cue. She also can Spanish walk or do some Spanish steps at the moment. Um, extended walk and stop and back up on cue at liberty. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any like fun games they've taught their pony, um, that would be cool if you let me know. I'll definitely try and teach Izzy that because we're always looking for fun games and things to do together. Um, I don't ride her because... Izzy also has a stay cue and a stand quietly next to me cue, which is really important and one of the foundation behaviours when starting out with plus R and um, 
Yeah, um, Alexandra Curlin calls it grown-ups are talking when you teach them to stand just quietly by your side with their head forwards when you're not asking for anything, which is definitely really important because otherwise your horse can just be trying to do stuff and not understand why you're not reinforcing or why you're not cueing them for anything. Um, so I definitely want to talk about behaviour chains and foundation behaviours and get really dig deep into um, behavioural science and all that in future episodes, but... At the moment, I'm just explaining like what I've learned so far. So, um, yeah. So that's Izzy. Um, I'm also very much into spiritual connection, like beyond science kind of stuff. I really believe the type of horsemanship I'm doing at the moment is really where science and um, what lies beyond science, I guess, kind of overlaps. Like the art of horsemanship really overlaps in this bit. Um, I'm also currently working with connection training on the um, online membership, which is really good. And um, I'm also taking some home study courses at the moment in equine psychology and some foundation courses. Um, so at the moment with my horsemanship, um, if you want to like see videos of what I'm doing and stuff, definitely um, follow my Instagram, which is aim horsemanship, which is underscore dot a dot i dot m dot underscore horsemanship underscore all lowercase and my youtube channel is capital aim which is aim um finger space horsemanship um so if you do want to see that then please check it out and um before um the end of this episode i just wanted to say if anyone's interested in personalized artwork or horse stable nameplates or any kind of handmade homemade um arts and crafts um or like birthday cards with specific drawings of certain pets with certain names on and stuff. Um, or anything really, you could really um, just go check it out and see what we do. And we're open to requests as well. So like one time I made a fairy door, which was fun. Um, definitely check out Creations of Cormel on Facebook, which is mine and my brother's little um, art and craft business. So it'd be really good if you could check that out if you're interested. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, Sorry, I know this is my first ever podcast, so I'm kind of waffling and I don't really know. I didn't write a script out for this or anything because I wanted to just um, talk naturally. Um, so there's a lot of like ums and I'm just kind of waffling a lot, but I still hope you can enjoy it. And I hope in future episodes when I get better as well, the podcasts will get better. I'm not exactly sure how to edit a podcast at the moment either. Um, so if you have any questions or any requests for future episodes, um, definitely let me know. and. Um, so as a summary, I guess, for today's episode, at the moment, I'm learning a lot about behavioural science. So obviously there's the, the four quadrants and learning theory and the ABCs and all, which are the kind of basics. And then there's, um, different, there's like neuroscience and, um, lots of different interesting stuff about the way horses and all mammals actually brains work. And, um, there's lots of like once you learn the theory of it it's really easy to um put into practice with training and you can get really cool results which is really fun um also there's other stuff such as like um i guess you could say spiritual kind of side of being of horses um and lots of about connection i guess i'm learning a lot about just the connection um that you can have uh you can like even breathe in sync with them and have your legs moving at the same time as them it's really amazing when you look into it um in such a detailed way which is really fun um 
So at the moment, my ultimate goal really is I really want to be a, um, like train other people's horses one day and work with rescues is my ultimate goal. Um, I so badly want to work with rescues and help horses and also help other people learn to train their horses. Um, but obviously that might be a long way off at the moment. I'm still open to um, whatever comes my way and learning as much as possible and spending lots of time with my horses. I'm always open to whatever my horses tell me because at the end of the day, it's um, as I believe Alexandra Curlin says, uh, horses for a humans for opinions horses for answers so no matter what opinion a human gives you your horse will always give you the honest answer um so i love learning from horses as well as taking online study courses as i said uh, in future i'm going to do episodes so far i'm planning on one on separation anxiety one on working on um, phobias such as a phobia of being shut in the trailer or a phobia of fly masks which penny and izzy have both had um and yeah, so like I said, one on separation anxiety, because um, Penny doesn't like to be left in the field on her own, even if she doesn't mind going out on her own, and Izzy's the other way around, she doesn't mind being left alone, but she doesn't like going out alone, so we've worked a lot on separation anxiety, uh, also, like, want to do just, like, some basic, like, going over the basics of learning theory and training and behaviour and all that, um, if anyone is interested in learning or hearing, there's a different viewpoint on that. Um, so if you enjoyed this, um, please share it or, I don't know, like leave. Thanks for listening to the Aim Horsemanship podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to find out more about um, my horses and me, you can find me on Instagram at um, underscore.a.i.m.underscore.horsemanship underscore and on YouTube at capital A-I-M and then lowercase horsemanship.